Welcome to the Hockey Show, presented by Bettenhausen Automotive in Tinley Park and Orland Park. The Hockey Show. On Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN 1000. 100.3 HD2. And the ESPN Chicago app. Ready for the power play? Here are your hosts, Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley. everybody it's the hockey show on espn 1000 with brian hanley i'm pat boyle coming to you from the first midwest bank studios in lovely gorgeous and somewhat warm downtown chicago spring is here it is at least for a day right how you doing i'm doing great what a week it was for the blackhawks you aren't kidding eventful week for those blackhawks they named kyle davidson their 10th general manager he acknowledges a full rebuild is in effect kane and taves discuss their future they get another win over edmonton and prepare for a philadelphia team that's horrible today national tv and the tampa bay team tomorrow night at the united center that's very good so we got a lot to unpack let's start with kyle davidson your thoughts on naming Davidson the 10th GM in franchise history. Look, I know it it doesn't look like change, and a lot of people thought you couldn't stay with the internal candidate because everything's got to change over on Madison Street when it comes to the hockey team. But the guy comes off as intelligent, and anyone who admits they know what they don't know is, you know, okay in my book, right? When, you know, Jeremy Colleton didn't seem to ever not know what was right in his world and even if it was wrong he wasn't going to admit it but i like young energy i like the fact that he's accessible and apparently going to be transparent as much as he can be in that job and we already had him start restructuring the front office yesterday and with the uh, trade deadline only a couple weeks away um who knows what how big he's going to go and and what he's going to do and maybe not be afraid to Really shake some things up in in short term here. Look, uh, he's worked in every department of hockey ops. He is straightforward, hit no BS. Uh, and you mentioned it. I think two moves yesterday to shake things up is is a sign that this is not going to be status quo. They parted ways with VP of Amateur Scouting Mark Kelly, who's been with the team since before the start of the three cups in six years. He also. Let loose assistant GM of pro evaluation, Ryan Stewart. So he's already shaking things up there. Now he's going to bring in a diverse group in hockey ops around him, whether that's in the analytics department, in the scouting department, you name it, he's up for it. And a couple things he, you know, he said this week, acknowledge a full rebuild. I don't think that's a shock to anybody, right? If you didn't think this team was going to be in a full rebuild, I don't know what you've been watching the last several years. Right. And it's just a matter of what that means. I mean, how right. how much work needs to be done? If you watch a lot of games, you say a lot of work needs to be done. But is that a three-year, four-year, five-year? He wasn't going to put any kind of time frame on it because he probably doesn't know yet. And he doesn't. Um, he said several times, we're going to devise a plan and we're going to stick to it. Uh, basically, he's going to be the anti-stand because for the last six years... It's been retool. It's been we're going to rebuild. It's going to let's retool it. Uh, no, let's tear it down to the studs. Right, let's go to the playoffs. Let's, let's get Mark Andre Fleury. Yeah. Let's spend a boatload um, and get Seth Jones. Mm-hmm. You know, like so, all over the place, all over the map. He he's he's going to devise a plan and he's going to stick to it. So 
Uh, a lot to like, I think, with this hire. And uh, let's hear from Danny Wirtz, the CEO, on why they decided on Kyle Davidson. But what we learned that is that out of the box did not have to be synonymous with outside these walls. And time of service in the NHL is not the only qualification to be a general manager in this league. And Kyle has everything we are looking for. And he has demonstrated that every day over the last four months with the changes he has initiated and the decisions he's made. In Kyle's 12 years here, he's worked across all functional departments in hockey operations. He's scouted. He's been at the draft table. He's become an expert on the inner workings and nuances of the salary cap and the collective bargaining agreement. He's paved the way for the creation of the new hockey strategy and analytics department. And in that department, he's built a team around him with diverse perspectives and views on our global game. Maybe most importantly, and in the end, Kyle represents high character and high values. I have seen Kyle step up as a visible and vocal leader, both on and off the ice, at some of our organization's toughest moments. He is all wet, ready, well-respected within this organization, and is seen as a true partner to both the hockey and the business side. Throughout the process, it became clear, without a doubt, to myself, Jamie, Rocky, Shara, and the many others who were involved with this process, that Kyle was the answer. He is one more puzzle on this new leadership team who will help us reach this goal of being a leader in sports across the globe. I thought it was telling that at the introductory press conference, I don't know, there might have been 20 rows behind the press and behind Kyle's family that were filled with Blackhawks employees. They all came down and... Um, there was uh, there was genuine warmth and love in that room, and I, I think it was twofold. I think it was one: a lot of these individuals thought that, look, Kyle Davidson was in my chair at one point. Yep. He was, was in, in my department. He, he was, was he was in my department. He was an intern like me. He was in an entry level gig like me, and look where he is now. And I think also they really like him, and they wanted him to get the job. And this franchise who's going through a healing process right now, when a guy that is well-respected and liked gets a position and represents that hard work, dedication, uh, and growth can be rewarded, perpetuate and be rewarded at the top of the hockey ops mountain, so to speak, I think it injects a lot of life and optimism, and uh, it was it was what the franchise needed. What, and I learned from the always terrific uh, Blackhawks Talk podcast that you do with Charlie Romeliotis. Mm-hmm. They worked concessions before the game on Thursday. Yes, he was ser- he bartender. Was a bartender with, with in Jane the atrium. Faulkner. Yeah, he was out there, you know, serving beers and drinks and. You know, meeting the fans up close. I mean, how terrific is that? I don't know if he was pouring Limavati, which is uh, our sponsor for Twitch, the great Irish whiskey. Mm, that time of year for the but, Irish. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> let's be honest. Irish and whiskey, any time of year. Yeah, anytime, anytime. So what do you think about Kyle Davidson being named general manager? You can't be surprised that the Hawks are in rebuild mode, are you? I mean, seriously. Uh, 312-332-3776. You can also listen on the uh, ESPN Chicago app like our good buddy in Los Angeles, Rick does. Um, So Davidson is the man in charge. Uh, Here is the question posed to Kyle. Is it going to be a rebuild or a retool? Yeah, no, we're going to look at more of a rebuild 
here. I think there's there's some some things that we really need to to fix that that are going to take time. It's going to take time, and we're not going to put a timeline on it. Whether it's three, five, I, I don't have that answer right now. That will that will be determined uh, as we proceed. But um, you know, we we really need to do this the right way, and we're gonna we're gonna stick to the plan and and take our time with it and and make sure that uh, when we get to where we want to go, then then it was it was the result of of a plan that was stuck to and not deviated from. Again, that is, uh, you know, I wouldn't say direct shot, but uh, it certainly it's uh, oppo of what Stan yeah. and, and his group had done the, the last six years. The last two years, you already mentioned it. It's like every six months. Okay, well, we know, we know we're closer to the bottom than the top. We're going to have to retool, rebuild, whatever phrase, phraseology. And then here comes July, and you're swinging for the fences and bringing in Seth Jones and Marc-Andre Fleury. And now, now we're a legit playoff contending team at least in their mind, and shifting gears, and no one saw it coming. And then it doesn't come to fruition. And now where you have to you know, start the engine yet again, right? He feels, so, so uh, the, the other thing that I, I really like that they did now, Tuesday was the official introductory press conference. On Wednesday, they broke it down to the beat writers and those that uh, are part of the broadcast team, whether it's radio or TV. And in two groups, we met with Kyle Davidson informally, but it was on the record. Could ask him anything. And, uh, and we spent 45 minutes, each group did, and, you know, clarifying the Marc-Andre Fleury contract situation and, and, you know, who might be his right-hand man, everything and, every, and anything. Um, one thing that I, I took from that meeting was he feels an emphasis needs to be placed on compete level when it comes to evaluating players. And it's funny because I spoke to a Blackhawks scout earlier this year, and we talk about playing with an edge. You know, the, the Brandon Hagel, right? Sure. Uh, you yeah. know, he, we've been touting him now since the beginning of last year, all through this year. We need more Brandon Hagels, right? right. So guy that plays with an edge, not afraid to go to the dirty areas, compete level. Uh, there aren't enough of those in the organization. So I asked the scout, I said, so where, where on your evaluation sheet do you have compete level or do you have plays with an edge or what, whatever? He's like, it's on there somewhere, but it's not at the forefront. It, you know, it, it may, may not be like where hockey IQ is or speed is or shot strength or, or st- yeah. whatever the case may be. And I always thought that, you know, if we keep asking that question, and looking for that in a player, and it's not on the the evaluation sheet, something's missing yeah, what's here. What's the emphasis on it? Right? So, so I asked him. He said, you know what? That's going to change. We're, now, we're not going to you know blow everything up here a month or two in front of the draft, or I guess three months in front of the draft here. Uh, we may tweak some of these things afterwards. But I, I liked hearing that, you know, en- enough of us saying, like, wow, this guy's highly skilled. Uh change of scenery may may no you are what you like if if you're in buffalo and you're an up and down player and then you come to chicago and you're an up and down and you sent to rockford and you're up and down yeah. you're up and down you're, right. you're 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 not a national hockey league are player. you a pro or not right. you're getting paid right. u.s currency in buffalo or chicago or la or new york or wherever it's you know either you're you're trying to earn your keeper or you're not or you, you know you show up one game and you disappear for two or three other games so I, I like the hire. Um, again, you said it perfectly off the top. Optics don't suggest that this is a major culture change or deviation from uh, 
what we have seen here the last 12 years. But that's not the case. As Danny Wirtz said, you know, you don't necessarily need to look outside the box to identify someone who can change what's going on currently in, in inside those four walls. Yeah, I, I would love to hear from Hawks fans because last week one of our Twitter poll questions was, you know, we, we knew who the finalists were, right? You had Jeff Greenberg, you had uh, obviously Kyle Davidson, and you had uh, Darshan Tampa, uh, a young guy as well. And and the fourth choice was none of the above, and none of the above came tied for second, right? I mean, so that's obviously, it could be just frustrated Hawks fans saying, you know, wake me up when we're, we're champions again or whatever. But now that it, it's official and you know the interim tag is no longer and he's going to have a, a healthy time here to get things back on track, are you excited? Are you energized? Or are you still thinking that, you know, they need to try again? I mean, I'd love to hear where you're at with this organization, big picture. 312-332-3776. We'd also like to know where its biggest star is at big picture with yep. this franchise. And that's what we're going to dive into next. Patrick Kane was asked, point blank, is the plan to finish his career here in Chicago? And 88 gave a very interesting answer. We'll have that for You're listening to The Hockey Show, presented by Bettenhausen Automotive. Call us or tweet your comments to at ESPN 1000. The Hockey Show. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Jonathan and Patrick are extremely important pieces to uh, the organization. And, and you know, I, they're definitely going to be brought into the loop. I've had a brief conversation with both of them this morning about some of the sentiments of today's uh, announcement and, and what I would be talking about. That's going to be an ongoing discussion um, w- between myself and the players, and I'll, I'll tell you for sure that there won't be any surprises on their end in terms of what we plan on doing with the organization. That was Kyle Davidson at his introductory press conference talking about the two cornerstones of the Chicago Blackhawks, Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves. Back on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. Thanks to our good partners at Bettenhausen CDJR in Tinley Park. With Brian Hanley, I am Pat Boyle. So, unlike Stan, who said GM's GM, coach's coach, players play, and everyone stays in their silo, and you do your job, I'll do mine. uh, Kyle said, no, 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 no. We're going to bring... Those are are valuable assets. You know, we're going to use... Uh, you know, two future Hall of Famers that have 15 years of NHL experience and more hardware than than most players could ever dream about. Uh, we're going to bring them in and and talk to them, see what they think they ne- this team needs, what type of player uh, w- plays best with Patrick Kane. Enough of the you know open mic at Zanies every year. <laughs> uh, let, let's let's get down to finding the, the the answers to some of these questions. So. The question was posed to Patrick Kane about his future. Now, you both, everybody knows that Kane and Taves' contracts are up at the end of next season. They're making $10.5 million AAV. So it's uh, a big part of the salary cap goes to those two individuals. And the question is to Patrick, does he think he's going to finish his career in Chicago? Here's what 88 had to say. Um, yeah, I think so. You know, I think, uh, um, you know, there's probably a, a lot of time to determine what's going to happen in that regard. But, I mean, like, let's be honest. I love Chicago. I love the city. I, I love the fans. Um, 
the organization's been um, amazing to me and my family. So um, there's really not much to like here. Um, but, you know, I think uh, there's always business decisions. I know, like, in the game of hockey, there's not many guys that uh, um, play their whole career with one team. So um, it would be a, a pr- privilege and an honor to do that. But uh, I guess uh, we'll see how it all plays out. I was sitting in the room when he answered the question on, uh, I think it was Thursday, maybe? Wednesday or Thursday? Wednesday it was. And uh, to see it in person... And the start of that soundbite, it was, um, I think so. There was pause there. Yeah. I, I mean, look, he, now he covered everything in there, saying he loved it here and, you know, would love to finish his time career tell, here. Time will have time to figure it out. Then he also circled back and said most players don't have the opportunity. Here's your realization. Yeah. So, it, yeah. you know, he kept everything open there. But it was the first time that somebody in his camp, namely him, answered the question to and, and, and put some pause into my mind that, you know what, this may not happen. And further reminder, when we see a Duncan Keith come to the United Center and he's in blue and white, yep. and you're like, wow, it still doesn't look right on him. You know? Well, I mean, it's just, it, it, it's a dose of, of sports reality. And look, Kyle Davidson earlier, a couple days earlier, said, but for the people who have no movement clauses in their contract, 88 being one of them, Jonathan Taves being the other, you know, anything and everything's on the table. But those those clauses can be waived by said players. And we've talked about this for, you know, I, I said last year Stan Bowman should be having that conversation in earnest with both those players. Mm-hmm. You know, when, before they went and we got Seth Jones and Andre Fleury and decided they're going for it yet again, when it looked like they were rebuilding, you know, could you move them? Would they give you the blessing to have those talks? There is a lot of time calendar-wise, but really, is there? Because, as you mentioned, let's talk, you know, Kane's a different situation than Jonathan Taves. It was great to hear Jonathan Taves talk about his future and want to and all that. But Kane, you know, going into his last year of the contract, you have to start figuring out the next contract if, in fact, he wants to stay here and, and you want him to stay here. After next year... You know, he can walk. He can go anywhere. So if he does stick around, how much of the cap are you willing to invest in him? Because you have a lot of other things you need to do. What Al- makes Alex DeBrinkett's contract yeah. will be coming up in a couple of years. What so. makes sense? I mean, you know, how much does he want to stay here? He's not going to make the same amount of money that he would probably make on a contending team elsewhere, right, moving forward. And he's still 30, what, 33 years old. 33, yes. He's got a lot of hockey left to play. If it gets, and he's got to get healthy too. Yeah, yeah, and and, and I I think that there's a chance that that could take place, and maybe maybe he will, you know, pull the shoot in late March or, or you know somewhere. I mean, he's going into a contract year. He needs to be 100 yeah, percent healthy, yeah. whether you know here or anywhere else. You it, if you're gonna if you're gonna say go ahead and have those conversations in the off season with other teams, uh, Kyle Davidson. Well, you need a 100 percent healthy. Patrick Kane to get maximize his value on, on the trade market. I've always contended that I would consider re-signing somebody if I thought they could be part of the equation in a championship team. So if we talk about this rebuild, and as Kyle said, he's not going to put a, no. a date and a timeline on it, but amongst hockey friends of this show and ourselves, 
I'd say it's somewhere between four and five years. Something if you're like being that. realistic, yeah. So would Patrick be part of a championship team in four or five years? I still think he has five years left in him. I think he can play close to 40, if not past it. Uh, I, I don't think that's going to be the case for, for Jonathan Taves. I'm with you on that, yeah. Um, but I don't know if Patrick wants to endure of of the next four to five years three or four of that being what he's been going through. Right. And and that's a question he has to, you know, decide first with himself and his family. You know, it, it, how important is competing from here on to the next three, four, five years and not being a good soldier leading whatever the rebuild looks like here because it's not going to be pretty most nights, right? We, we can all agree on that. So when... You know, when he makes that decision with his family, and I know they just had a, a newborn, and he, he said all the right things. He loves Chicago. What's not to like about being here and being part of the Blackhawks? And they've been terrific to him. All that factual, right? But moving forward, again, how much are you willing to say, I want to be here, and by the way, I understand you're going to need some of my money back uh, for the next three, four, five years because you you have a lot of things you need to get done here. And by the way, you, you know, if you can get that first-round draft pick back, or, or how many assets you can get back by trading me and putting me and, and working with me to go to a place I want to go. Because after next year, I can go wherever I want. So he's going into a free agent year. Um, I would think if you're going to do something with him, you do it in the offseason and you don't wait till trade deadline next year. And it, now he's purely a rental player for a few months in a postseason for a Stanley Cup contending team. You got to you got to have that. So there there isn't that much time to figure this all out. It was interesting this week to see Nick Jalmerson come back. Yeah. And the hockey irony of, of, of a player of his stature who, who probably didn't get enough praise that he should in those three Stanley Cups because he was just a warrior, he right? He still has black and blue marks from those uh, 16, uh, 2,000 blocks. I don't know what writer put it, but he probably got paid by the bruise yeah. and double for stitches or something yeah. like that. I mean, that was a great line. Um, but here, you know, he never got the due because he was also on a team that on the blue line had had the greatest Blackhawk defenseman of all time in Duncan Keith. The hockey irony that on his legacy night, Duncan Keith makes his first, his first trip back to the United Center as a member of the Edmonton Oilers. I was like, this is like, are you yeah, kidding me? Yeah. I can't get away from this guy. <laughs> He's everywhere. And so it, 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 it posed the question to Taves after that game. When he sees a good friend like Duncan Keith, wearing an Edmonton Oilers jersey, or he sees uh, a friend, Nick Jalmerson, come back for his legacy night. Has he thought about his last chapter of his career? Here's what the captain had to say. No, I mean, I, I still don't uh, like to believe that, you know, um, you know, obviously I should say these last few years have been frustrating, and it's, it's you know, as that saying goes in hockey, you're only as good as your last game. It's tough to to not think that way sometimes, and um, you know, in my heart, I, I feel like I, I haven't played my best hockey in my career. I just, I feel like at this age, with the experience and knowing the game, um, uh, yeah, I think your, your experience and just your approach really adds up how you play the game and how you approach it, how you prepare off the ice. Um, just fighting for, you know, for my health and to find a way to get my body to cooperate and get back to that level. I know I can, uh, I can play at and. Um, try and push that sort of thing off a little bit longer and try and keep enjoying the game. Sounds to me like uh, he's just trying to figure out if if he can keep on playing yeah. and, and get to the 
the level that he feels he should be at at this stage of his career. We would all love to believe that his best hockey has not been seen yet. At, at, but these past few years, you hear it in his voice, the frustration, the physical, the emotional, you know, just trying to get out there and, and be, you know, give it whatever you can at that point. So the realism is, the reality is that, they're, they're, you know, Jonathan, the idea of Jonathan Taves on a Stanley Cup contending team is terrific. His leadership, face-offs, you know, want to and, and how he's a pro's pro. But he's no longer in the same category as Patrick Kane in terms of what you're going to get in return if, in fact, you're going to move your, the stalwarts of this team, the, the stars of this team. And I think I'm with you. The question for Jonathan Taves is how many more years do you have left? And likely it will be in a Hawks uniform. And our Twitter poll question today is, do you believe that Patrick Kane will play his entire career with the Chicago Blackhawks? You can go to ESPN 1000, or I, I retweeted it uh, at Brian Hanley 534. It's a simple yes or no question because you heard Patrick Kane's answer, and he covered all the bases. He didn't give you, uh, yeah, I'm going to be here forever, or I'm on, on my way out the door in the next year or two. The early returns on that poll question, 53% say yes, Kane will play his entire career with the Hawks. So. Uh, pretty close to a, a split vote right now. Again, go to uh, ESPN 1000 on Twitter, and you can vote away there. Coming up next, we'll talk to Ben Pope. Get his thoughts on Kyle Davidson becoming the general manager and what's next on his to-do list. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. The Hockey Show, presented by Bettenhausen Automotive. Boyle and Brian Hanley host Chicago's only show dedicated to hockey fans. Listen on the ESPN Chicago app, on the FM 100.3 HD2, and on ESPN 1000. The Hockey Show. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. Brian Hanley, Pat Boyle with you every Saturday, 10 to 11. As we take it up to uh, the Peggy and Dion show. Both here today. That is, uh, that is I, you know, and here's the thing. With 60 degree weather, mm-hmm. you know Peggy's got the clubs in the trunk. Yeah. And she is, <laughs> she is wheels up at 101. <laughs> She'll be in a tee box near you. Uh, back on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. Kyle Davidson named general manager this week. Uh, the Hawks in action in Philadelphia, South Philly, Pennsylvania. Never a big fan of that city. No? No. no I worked there for a few years, covered those Philadelphia Flyers, the Eric Lindros. Have some turtle soup. John yeah. LeClaire. Yeah. And uh, guess, uh, guess who joins us now? From the Sun-Times, he's Ben Pope, and he celebrated his birthday last night in the city of Brotherly Shove. How did it, <laughs> how did it go last night, Ben? Uh, I can't say it was <clears throat> too exciting. It was just uh, me in a hotel room uh, watching YouTube, so ah. uh, maybe not the, the most exciting. <laughs> well, uh, your thoughts on, on Kyle Davidson being named general manager earlier in the week. Uh, obviously, they, they went through the search. They talked about going outside the box to look for candidates, and in turn, they, they turned to a guy that has been around for 12 years, has worn several different hats, but ultimately, uh, they think he's the man that's going to get the job done. Your thoughts on Kyle? Yeah, I like Davidson. I, I think this was the right decision. Uh, I know they wanted to 
look at some other candidates, some fresh faces, uh, even outside of hockey. It sounded like Jeff Greenberg from the Cubs had a real chance at this. Um, and I know there's criticism that they end up going with the internal candidates and that, that some fans think that maybe he won't be able to bring that sort of new perspective and sort of new start that the team needs. But for my sense of him, I, I really do think he can bring that. It seems like he has a lot of bold ideas. He had a, a lot of differences from Stan Bowman and the other leaders of this franchise that he came up under. Um, and just because he was able to work well underneath them doesn't mean that he's the same person as them. And it sounds like he's going to bring in a lot of change, not only on the hockey side starting the rebuild, but, but also in the front office getting rid of two pretty high-ranking guys yesterday. So it seems like he's going to, to have the right vision and, and do the changes necessary to, to fix this mess that he's inherited. So when you look at that, those changes yesterday, Ben, significance of the time and the immediacy of it, uh, you know, you could have let them stay in their positions till the end of the season or certainly get through the trade deadline with the, the pro scouts and all. Um, you know, can you explain to Hawks fans, you know, why it was necessary and was it just to signify that there's a new era here? Yeah, I think it's some of all of that. Uh, it's definitely notable that he did it so soon, just three days after taking over just two weeks away from the trade deadline, four week, four months away from the draft, pretty deep into the scouting process for that. Um, so it's definitely going to create um, some sort of immediate holes that they have to fill, but it's definitely a, signi- a signifier that, that he's going to be aggressive with these changes and not going to just be complacent because it'd be easier to do so. Um, those are, I mean, Mark Kelly has been a staple of Hawks drafts for 14 years now. Um, he's one of the nicest guys around, and it'll be tough to, to, to have him gone, but I think that the drafting had probably been maybe not the best lately. They've been hit or miss on their early round picks and hadn't really hit on virtually any of the late round picks in the past five or six years. So um, I can see the reasoning there, even you know, even though he is a nice guy. And, and Ryan Stewart, who was an assistant GM, he was promoted to that role at the same time as Davidson was in November 2020. Um, and they had kind of risen up together um, through the organization over the past 10, 15 years. So that was also very significant and, and signifies he wants to change things on the pro scouting side as well. So those are two, I mean, major statements, not only with the timing, but also who they removed and just everything about it. So uh, definitely a sign that there's going to be a lot more restructuring to come. Ben Pope from the Chicago Sun-Times joins us from Philadelphia, where the Hawks and Flyers will go at it at 2 o'clock this afternoon. It's the hockey show on ESPN 1000. So Patrick Kane was asked if he thinks he's going to finish his career in Chicago and he starts off that soundbite with, um, I think so, and then goes into, you know, how, how he's loved it here and always loved it here. And not every player uh, has the opportunity to finish in the same city that they started in. What was your takeaway from Kane's response to that direct question? Yeah, that was an interesting one. In the moment, it seemed like kind of a yes. And that's how I tweeted it out. And um, it, it was obviously very popular since. Kane is such a beloved player, but looking back at the transcription afterwards, it, it maybe wasn't as decisive as it seemed at the moment, and I almost kind of regretted portraying it the way I did, because he obviously said it'd be an honor and a privilege to stay with the Hawks his whole career, and um, I think he, he would be open to that, but it wasn't like he was being super you know, decisive and saying that he absolutely wants to. He kind of left it open-ended um, sort of to other outcomes down the line, so um, I think it was a pretty standard question, um, maybe not worth uh, reading into too much, just the way he 
sort of waffled between various tones in the response, but um, it will be interesting to see how that plays out, especially once we get to this summer. I think it's going to become a gradually bigger and bigger story um, the longer it goes that he's not extended and talking about maybe what his fate will be. And, you know, I, I know that Kyle met with, with Taves and Kane and Marc-Andre Fleury, and we're still wondering here on March 21st if Marc-Andre Fleury will be here on March 22nd. And if you're going to rebuild this thing, uh, you need to get assets in return. And you're, you've written about it exhaustively, about not a lot in the cupboard. And and so, I mean, Kyle David said, said everything's got to be on the table, but for people who have no movement clauses. So if Kane decides that you can have those conversations with other teams, then you can accelerate the rebuild by getting things back. But let's start with the goalie. Um, your gut feeling, is he sticking around? And I know Kyle said it's great to have a guy like that in the room, but it'd be better to have that guy in a different uniform and getting something in return for him. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the Hawks understand that. I think Davidson would be very eager to trade him and get what he can back if he's able to. It really just comes down to Flurry, as we've been saying for months now. Um, and my gut feeling is that Flurry won't move, to be honest. I mean, it's certainly possible, but I, over time, it's, my confidence in his willingness to move is decreasing a little bit. Um, so maybe it's a little less than 50 50 now. I think there's just, for one thing, he's going to be particular about where he goes. He's going to want to be to a team he thinks that can win the Stanley Cup, he's going to want to be to a place where he thinks his family will be happy and comfortable. Um, and and the unfortunate thing is the two most logical places to go, Edmonton and Washington, uh, are both places you could see him maybe having an issue with it. Edmonton being in Canada, there's a lot more restrictions there. I know a lot of players are very hesitant to go to Canada right now. Um, and that franchise is also uh, arguably a little bit dysfunctional. Uh, and then on Washington, you'd have to go through Pittsburgh. He still has a lot of friends there. I'm not sure how willing he'd be to do that and, Obviously, they're dealing with a little bit of controversy now with, with their Russian players. So, um, obviously, it's certainly possible he could go there. It's possible some other team like Minnesota or Colorado or um, could step up. But but I think it's, it's certainly possible that Fleury elects that he does want to stay in Chicago through the rest of this year. What did you make of what Jonathan Taves had to say after the game on Thursday night talking about uh, you know his, his future and whether he's considered kind of when – this career may come to an end. Yeah, I thought that was that was really interesting. He he probably opened up more than Kane did a, a couple of days before. Um, obviously, it's been a, a tough stretch for him, um, even this past couple months dealing with this concussion. And it's good to see him back in a relatively timely manner. But uh, he kind of acknowledged that he's trying to just fight through and get his body back to where he thinks it could be, saying that, he still thinks he hasn't played the best hockey yet in his career. And he has such a just a warrior mentality with that kind of stuff that you know he's going to keep fighting and keep trying to, to get back to full health as long as he possibly can. But it's just it's been a struggle for him. And he was talking about trying to just delay um, thinking about the whole retirement decision that's ahead of him as long as possible. And uh, I think everyone around him is starting to have that conversation, wondering about when that'll be. Um, but but he's not trying to think about it, and I think that that's on brand for him. That that fits with his character. But it definitely seems to be a fight that he's going through to to try to keep pushing as long as he can. Back to Cal Davidson rebuilding hockey ops for the Blackhawks. May I don't know if you can answer this, but do you have a, an idea? If you look around the league. Where do the where is the Blackhawks scouting staff or investment in their front office? 
is it comparable to other really good franchises in, in terms of size and and you know technology and everything else? I mean, do they need to up their investment both with manpower and and maybe money to, to or are they where they need to be? They just need better people. I don't have the most precise sense of this, but from my sense that I do have, I think the scouting staff is fairly well populated. I think they have uh, an above average group in that regard, at least in terms of number of people there. Uh, I've talked to a few of them over the years and um, they seem to be pretty well resourced and and to have the assets they need to to do their job well. I think it's maybe more on the analytics side that, that the Hawks are a little bit lacking. They've traditionally I um, only had a few in-house people with that and outsourced that a little bit um, and maybe not had the biggest emphasis on that, as certainly in terms of the, the leaders at the top not paying as much attention to it as, as other teams um, that have had some success lately, like Colorado and Carolina and Tampa have. So I think that's one area that Davidson recognizes needs to improve, and um, he started a new analytics committee actually last summer before all of this stuff went down. Um, and started staffing that out and building that out. And it sounds like that's going to be a continued emphasis moving forward to, uh, to invest more in the analytics side. And that should help with the scouting, especially the pro scouting, uh, to be able to evaluate these other players they're considering better, even if the scouting themselves isn't going to change that much. Ben Pope for another minute here on ESPN 1000, the hockey show. Uh, Derek King, his status as interim head coach, you know, Kyle was asked whether or not he's a viable candidate. Kyle said yes. So I guess he's got, uh, you know, 20 some odd games left to, to prove that he should be the bench boss going forward. Your, your thoughts on the chances of Derek King staying in the role he's in? Yeah, I, I kind of for a lot of the year had thought that he was probably best served as an interim guy, not the permanent guy. I mean, he's done a good job this year just settling things down and livening the mood, uh, just sort of getting the team back to the unity they need. Um, I wasn't convinced that maybe he would be the long-term option just in terms of his sort of views on hockey, and he's kind of an old-school guy. Uh, as the Hawks are trying to bring in this fresh perspective, more youth movement, I thought maybe they'd be better served going with someone along those lines. But um, if they're going to go to a full-scale rebuild where there's not going to be a whole lot of um, effort put towards winning or contention for a few years, then maybe it does make sense to keep King around um, to, to help those teams that are struggling on the ice, like stay positive and uh, keep their team chemistry going. And uh, he has such a development background um, from his, all his time as an AHL coach. He could be good with that too, helping acclimate prospects and uh, manage their ice time, keep their confidence up. So I think maybe my confidence or the likelihood that King stays is increasing a little bit these past few weeks. It seems like Davidson does like him. I, I know they'll go through a pretty wide-ranging search for the new coach, just like they did uh, for the GM. But I think it is certainly possible that King stays, especially if they're going to take a pretty long-term, patient approach with this. Ben Pope, keep up the great work. Again, happy birthday. Sorry it was just YouTube in a uh, Philadelphia hotel room for you. But uh, you got a game to cover this afternoon, and uh, we'll see you back here in Chicago tomorrow night. Great. Thanks so much for having me. Always a pleasure, it. Ben. Thank you. Did you, uh, do you do you have flashbacks to being on the road celebrating your birthday by yourself in like you know oh yeah Winnipeg or how about an empty hotel room in Denver on uh, Thanksgiving or oh. yeah I mean it you know it was a Marv Albert's book you know thanks but I have a game yeah was, you know you know it's like oh yeah my, my, I think my worst was like 
I started out in uh, Naples and Fort Myers, Florida, and I think it was like a Christmas day going to a uh, gas station and getting whatever, whatever, you know, know, some sort of... The hot dog that's been there on a month? Yeah, yeah. I can't remember. I remember I called my mom and my mom was crying. It was like, (laughs) yeah, welcome to sports, everybody. It's it's lovely. Hey, how you doing? Merry Christmas. Yeah, I remember we were playing miniature golf in the underground shopping mall in Edmonton because it was 40 below, not even including the windshield. And then three days later, being in Anaheim and playing the executive course next to the hotel. As you were packing for Sub Zero, and then your the second half of the trip was Phoenix and LA. We'll come back and we'll wrap up the hockey show coming up next on ESPN 1000. This hour is brought to you by Northwestern Football, Chicago's Big Ten team. Tickets for the Aer Lingus College Football oh, Classic in oh, Dublin. I got Ireland a, are on sale now. I got to do my Carmen DeFalco impression. Head to NUSports.com for details. Go, Cats. You're listening to The Hockey Show, presented by Bettenhausen Automotive. When you're at home, don't miss Chicago's only show dedicated to hockey fans. Tell your smart speaker to play ESPN 1000. One-timer. One-timer by Everson. He scores! On The Hockey Show. One-time shot. On ESPN 1000. One more time. One-timers on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. Brian Hanley, Pat Boyle. Our thanks to Ben Pope from the Chicago Sun-Times. Erica Strowski working the dials and doing everything behind the scenes. And congrats on being named executive producer of here, here. the White Sox Network, Eric. Thank you, guys. Excited to maybe get going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just get the lockout over. hopefully work. Yep. And Peggy and Dion are coming up next. They'll take you up to 1 o'clock on a beautiful day here in Chicago. What do you have for us in one-timers? Well, Ben Pope did reference uh, the Russian players and situation. Obviously, the NHL populated with Russian players. And interesting to see how different teams are handling the Ukraine, Ukraine crisis, or crisis. rather. And Winnipeg brought in, has a huge Ukrainian population in Winnipeg, uh, brought in a choir to sing the Ukrainian national anthem before game this week. You have Alex Ovechkin, who put out a statement, you know, basically condemning the violence, but not really condemning Putin, and he doesn't want to distance himself from the despot. And uh, Artemi Panarin, our old friend here, has come out and condemned Putin, and he's gotten backlash from other Russian players and some Russian fans. So it, you know, unfortunately... And Panarin's the, had some issues with Putin in the past. Yeah. He didn't take a leave last year because of the issues. And the Washington Capitals supposedly put out a note or in the programs or a signage that you can keep your signs pro or con Ukraine or Russia and leave them at home because they have a policy that basically nothing political can be shown in our nation's capital at, at their hockey games so obviously the real world comes into play with you know people say stick to sports unfortunately the real world you know comes into sports more often than maybe we would like we'd like to get away from the real world problems by investing time in the sports teams we love my one timer is just seeing duncan keith back in chicago nick jolmerson uh, seeing those tribute videos they seem like a long time ago but they were such great times here in Chicago, and I'm looking forward to the days that this franchise is back in those spots and having parades and finishing 
in Grant Park, uh, like we saw for so many years here in Chicago. So it was great to see that. Coming up next, it's Peggy and Dion. Uh, we will see you tomorrow afternoon. Yeah, 10 to noon. Mark Xander and I will be here talking lots of sports, so please join us. Hawks in action against Philly this afternoon at 2 o'clock on ABC. Tomorrow they will host the Tampa Bay Lightning. Hope to see you at the United Center. We'll have that game for you, 5.30 coverage on NBC Sports Chicago. That's going to do it for the Hockey Show. We'll see you next time.